This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Brought to you by East Coast Christian Center. Morning Breath starts now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. This is Morning Breath. We're a drive-time devotion that uh, takes a chapter of the Bible. We read it. We spend some time in that uh, at our homes or in our offices, wherever you do your morning devotion, I and a co-host, and then we come down to the studios here at the Merritt Island campus of East Coast Christian Center. We read the chapter, and then we uh, just go wherever God leads us in that chapter. Not sure what stood out to Pastor Mark, who's with me today, or what's really going to stand out to me as we read the chapter again here live on the air, but we're going to do that, and we're so glad you've taken time out of your busy day on this nice October 23rd. It's getting nicer and nicer. We're approaching 31st, which is always kind of my line when I can actually count on the weather not being 95 (laughs) degrees. And so uh, I I don't ever get my hopes up before then, but we're getting close. One more week and we'll be We'll be there, and it is a little nicer. It's not. Uh, I've had a few days where it's 70 in the morning and only 82, 85 during the day, so that's been nice. Anyway, we're glad you guys are with us. How you doing, Pastor Mark? I'm good. I'm enjoying this cool weather too, Pastor Dan. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a blessing to uh, to get a break, and it's just like anything else. When people have had a long, hard winter up north, they're ready for spring and it yeah. to be a little nicer. And for us, when we've had a long, hot summer. Which it's, is every summer. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> um, it's nice to have a little break and it start to get a little cooler. So we're glad you guys are enjoying it. And, you know, we are having something that uh, that's going to speak to that. And i kind of doing the little program a little out of order on the way we normally uh, share things. But we've got a Vieira Fall movie night uh, this Friday. That's, what, two nights from yeah. now? This is Wednesday. So Friday, and it's from 7 to 9, and it's in the Vieira High School out in the out in the football field, and that's from seven to nine. What movie are they showing? It's Lion King. Lion King, the new one. That's my understanding. Yeah, I don't know why they waste time on the old one. Yeah, that's for sure. It's yeah. like twenty five years old or Child's something. Child's play at this point. It's crazy. Yeah, this one's like two thousand and nineteen. It came out, I believe. Yeah, I believe it came so. out this year, and so they're going to show that movie, Lion King. So it'll be fun night for the families and. There's going to be a big group of people there, so that makes it kind of fun, too, because of sort of the crowd effect yeah. and, and all of that stuff. You drive stuff. in on your golf cart. It's a drive-in. Yeah, it's yeah. a drive-in for sure for cart. some folks, and other people drive their cars and walk up. But be glad to have you there and enjoy the movie night uh, out there. We also have one other big thing coming up. Uh, family fun night we're going to be doing on the 31st here on our Merritt Island campus. On uh, So on Halloween night, 31st, uh, which is Thursday, from 6.30 to 8.30, uh, we're going to be having all kinds of, of fun out here for your kids and for your family to come out and just enjoy um, enjoy the celebration, uh, eat lots of candy, and uh, go home and try to keep your teeth in your head. You know, we didn't have it down, but Cocoa Campus is also doing one out in Cocoa. Okay. So if you're in the Friday Road 524 area, there's a, you know, it's over by 95 and 524. If you'd be interested in uh, something over there that's safe environment for your kids to go yeah. have some fun and get a bunch of candy, our Cocoa Campus of East Coast Christian Center is doing one as well. So they've got inflatables and fun stuff's going to be out there and a bunch of candy and all that stuff. So if you'd like to go out there for that same time, yeah. 6.30, 8.30, it's going on out there. 
Well, we need to get them connected to the show, don't Let's we? Let's do it. All right, so we want you guys to follow along. We're about to jump into the Word and start doing morning breath uh, from uh, Matthew chapter 27, but you need to know why. how did we get here and where have we been in the past, and that's when you need the morning breath guide. Uh, you can get on our uh, on our app, the East Coast app, download that, and there's uh, a button on there, yeah. the morning breath. It's a podcast button, and you hit that button and morning breath's under there, and that includes a morning breath guide that shows you all the chapters that we're going to be in that's and good. all the ones we've been in. You can also listen to podcasts of the show and, and go back and, and catch up on any you've missed. You can do that also on our website, eccc.us. And if you need a morning breath guide emailed or mailed to you, you can just call the office, 452-1060, hit zero for the operator, and we can take care of that as well. That'd be beautiful. And we can get started reading our Bibles. Yes, we have a lot of verses today. So we're New King James. Yep. I'm going to read through verse 34. We found a period there at the end of that uh, long sentence. Uh, This is a a chapter really beginning with uh, Jesus's, you know, sort of gone before the the leaders of Israel that night in an illegal trial time and all of that stuff and now we're going to pick it up when they in the morning when they meet again yeah and they're probably just doing that to make it legal you know to sort of put air quotes around oh mm. we did this during the day you know it wasn't an illegal time but anyway we're going to pick this up at uh, chapter 27 verse 1 in New King James what what Can you give me some help? New King James for both. I will help you. I'll get you started by saying, Pastor Dan, read, sir. Thank you. When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor, then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them in the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and brought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, They took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. 
Then Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed on his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him, put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Now, as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Verse 35, Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put up over his head the accusation written against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is the King of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him uh, reviled him with the same thing. Now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Mm. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went to the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in in clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, which he rolled, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. 
Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come, come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, so the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Amen. What's amazing here is that Rome and religion joined together, joined forces, I guess you'd say, here in the securing of the tomb Mm. to prove that Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if they wouldn't have done anything, they could have actually claimed it as greater as a rumor. Sure. You know, it's an oh, just a, yeah. Where'd that guy come from? Of course, he you know was seen by so many people. It was would have been hard to still debate it as a rumor. But they sealed it. But they put Rome's seal on the stone, meaning anybody who touches this is in big trouble. They put the guards up. You know, all the things that they did. I would be surprised if there weren't some temple guards there as well. You know, guarding the tomb, and all they did was, you know, add to the proof that Jesus rose from the dead for all the people that were around. So. Yeah. You know, the best, uh, I think it's one of those things where it says what, what the enemies work for uh, means for evil, yeah. God turns for good, and so they had an evil plan. The other thing that stood out to me in this little section, Mark, was this in verse 63, and I don't know if this has ever jumped out to me before, but it says, saying, sir, we remembered while he was still alive, how that the deceiver said, after three days I will rise. What's interesting is that his disciples didn't remember that. Mm. And his enemies did. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I just thought, wow. You know, it, it does tell us what grief uh, and fear does to blind your mind to sure. the truth. And I think that's a lot of what his disciples were dealing with. And I'm not throwing rocks at them because, you know, I can, I can forget or miss things in my life or look at the wrong thing rather than the right thing as well. But it just stood out to me this morning when I read it. Wow. These guys remembered you know, that Jesus promised. And he had said it, I think I counted seven, I think he said it seven or eight times, you know, that I'm I'm going to go to, you know, Jerusalem, they're going to crucify me, I'm going to, you know, die, I'm going to rise from the dead. And he goes through the whole thing with the guys, and it was like, I don't know whether it was going over their heads or what it was spiritually that they couldn't receive it, but these guys remembered it. And I thought that was wow. But God used that even against them to you know, turn it into more proof that he, he actually did rise Well, they the said dead. it in verse 42. They said, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. Mm, yeah, good yeah. point. And they were, and so, because he, good he point. gave that yeah. example of yeah. what that was going to mean. And I think as you're saying that, I think what, ring, what rings in my mind is they were always listening to Jesus for criticism and looking to trip him up in his words. That's mm, good. So they were locked into everything he was saying but for the wrong reason. Especially to catch him, yeah. so to speak. It was you know. to trap yeah, him. Yeah. Whereas his disciples were with him consistently, and yeah, grief played into it, and probably just trying to hear everything and remember everything he said. But these guys had a different ear. When you're yep. listening for criticism Good. and when you're listening to trap somebody, you remember things, but you remember them for the wrong reason. Yes. And then kind of, you're like, you're lit. the whole reason you're, you're, you're intentionally recording what they're saying because you're looking for a way to nail them. Yeah. You know, I actually got to a season in my life where I started hearing that way a little bit more. And, you know, God showed it to me and helped me get it fixed and did some great things in my heart during the time. But there was a time in life when I'd go to another church or visit somewhere or listen to a message that I would very often pick at or find something wrong with 
how they did it or how they said it or, you know, and that is not what a real, you know, Christian who loves God and loves people and loves the church, that's not the way they hear the word or, or do something. You know, I, I know people that if nothing happened in the service, but somebody stood up and, and sang happy birthday to Jesus and read John three sixteen, they get something out of it because their heart's so open and they're so full of life that, wow, John 3, 16, that's an awesome verse. I love that verse. On the other hand, when you've got your ear tuned to that negative or to that critical, that's a no, it's not any fun to be there. And I, I remember a time in my life where I, you know, this has been a long time ago, but I got in this place where I was like, you know, well, that's, why do they do it that way? And, you know, why is that? And And pick, pick, pick. And, you know, it's just not a healthy thing. And it can happen to Christians as well as in this case, these were these were people who were, you know, on the completely other side of the sort of the aisle from, you know, being a, a godly believer. But it can happen to other people as well. Yeah. People and who love God. It can. And I, I think what's interesting, and this kind of leads me to one of the things that, that jumped out at me. It's kind of on the same topic of looking at the, the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, back over toward the beginning of the chapter where, where Judas brings the money back. And, mm. and in verse 6, they say, it's not lawful for us to put this into the oh, treasury. Oh, my gosh. And it's so hypocritical. And But here's the danger. When we read this, and, and anytime we're reading the Gospels, I was thinking about this as I was reading through this, and that jumped out at me. I thought, you know, we can get to the point where we read these Gospels and we become familiar with them, and it's almost like reading a story yep. where you've got the protagonist and the antagonist. Yep. Well, and we say, okay, these are just the antagonists. These are the bad guys, and, and we don't like them because they're against Jesus, and he's the hero. Yeah. But the purpose of this, and the reason this is here, is to help us understand not that these are the bad guys— it's to understand that, but for the grace of God, religion can lead anybody to this level of deception. Yes. That's really what it's about, because the level of deception that they were in is that they're prepared to commit murder, but they won't put the money in the treasury because it's unlawful. Right. They bribe him to, to <laughs> betray Jesus so he dies, but they won't put the money in the offering plate, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, to keep the law, quote yes. unquote. Yes. And that... That's And we can say, what a bunch of knucklehead, hypocrite jerks. Or we can say, wow, I don't ever want to get into a place where I let religion lead me that direction, because that's exactly what it will do. Wow. And to me, that's just what jumped off the page. It's not that these guys are bad guys. It's that they've allowed religion to deceive them. Religion is such a deceptive trap, and this is how far it can take you, to take you to doing something so stupid as to not recognize the difference between committing murder— and thinking you're keeping the law by not putting the money in the treasury. It's just like what Jesus was saying. It says right in the Ten Commandments, you know, thou shalt not murder. And he would say to them in other passages, you've taken your rule right. that you wrote, your doctrine of men, and you've made it supersede God's law. And this is another this is another example of that. It's kind of how it jumped off the page at me. Uh, I, I, I saw the same thing, Mark. You wondered how deceived you got to be to to, to get to that place, and it is the power of religion and the law and what it's, its capability to do in our lives. And in fact, I, you know, the most dangerous people on the earth very often are the, the religious dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, I was in Israel one time many years ago, back in like 95 or 96, and our bus was uh, a tour bus, you know, type of thing. I happened to go with Zola Levitt, which is, that was cool because he was Jewish and, you know, that had a TV program at the time. And we were driving down the road, and, and what happens in Israel is when a soldier is released for leave, let's say, he's going to get leave. And what I understood at the time that every young person in Israel 
served two years in the military, and then two two years as uh, like kind of national security. They'd work at the airport and, you know, uh, be security at airports and do all sorts of things like that. And when they they had security airports in 95, that's was is 10 times better than the security we do now, you know, even after 9-11. But uh, as we were going down the road, when a soldier was released, they would just go out to the road in their uniform and stand on the side of the road. And the first person to go by, pick them up. And, and take them wherever they wa- needed to go. And so they got real excited. Look, there's two soldiers there. And anyway, so they got on our bus, and the people in the back of the bus said, put them next to Pastor Dan, put them next to Pastor Dan. <laughs> now, I didn't know these people, but I'd gotten to know them over the few weeks we were there, and so they sat next to me. And and I asked, I just asked them, I said, what do you think of, you know, where are you at when it comes to things like God and believing and that? And he's basically said, that religion is com- is all of our problem here in Israel. Mm. It is this group against this group against this group, and everybody fighting together. And I think he was surprised when I said, you know what, I totally agree with you. You know, that religion is a problem. But it's not the religion of Christianity. It's not the religion of Judaism. It's not the religion of Islam that's that that I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he didn't he didn't pray with me or anything like that. The other guy wouldn't say a word. He was a <laughs> spokesman. But me and him talked. We talked for like an hour and a half as we were going from point A to point B on the bus. And it was good. You know, everybody around us just like, oh, praying. Yeah. You know, you could just feel the prayers for, for the people there on the bus. But he he said, this guy who's living in the nation of Israel in 1995 said, you know what, I think I think religion's our complete problem because almost the worst person can actually be the religious person because yes. they can become so deceived and think they're doing wrong for the right reason. Yeah. And even to the point where they give away Barabbas instead of Jesus, sure. I think Pilate picked him because he was so bad. He's a murderer, he's a robber, he's the worst guy I got. I got to take the worst convict, stand him up there, and say, who do you want, him or Jesus? I know they'll take Jesus, I'll be out of this mess, and I can go home tonight with my hands clean. Yeah. And it backfired on him. That's the irony of the situation, is the guy that had the most level head in this whole thing was not religious. Right? Pilate. Pilate was not a religious guy, and he was the one who looked at the situation, and he, he saw the whole thing. Yep. He saw, wait, these guys are turning him over because they're envious. Yep. He knew it. He saw right through their motives. Yep. He knew Jesus hadn't done anything wrong, and but then he's weighing the politics of it, which, of course, that plays a role. But as far as him seeing the situation for what it was and trying to figure out a way to work it out properly, it was the guy who didn't believe anything. Uh, when yeah. it came to religion. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, I, I love that point that you made as far as, you know, religion. You hear that all the time. That's the thing that people say, I'm not religious. They look at the world and they're right. If you look at history, you can see that there's just religious conflict after religious conflict. And anybody in their right mind would say, I don't want anything to do with that. It's just one mess after the other. But to understand that that's what the danger of religion is and not to become that person. And that's it's so easy to become that person. It's so easy to get into a system because systems bring order and people yes, want order and they, they want that structure in their life. And so they, they grab onto that religious system because it gives them that sense of order. Uh, but the problem is it really takes over. It, there's a spirit of deception involved in that. Uh, and you, you, become, you fall in love with the control and the order as opposed to the purpose of what it's really meant to be. And that's, that's the same even when 
when you fall in love with Jesus. There's mm. people out there who love Jesus, yep. but they have turned that love of Jesus into a religious system of order, uh, and, man, they wield that thing like a club. Yeah, that's a really—it uh, it is. It, it's it's a trap, and it's a trap to destroy us. You know, when I read this, I thought about all the different people kind of involved. And, of course, the Jewish leaders and all that, they yielded to religion, to to maybe a spirit of religion. Uh, and uh, it was what caused them to, you know, crucify Jesus. I thought about Judas. He kind of yielded to the devil. I mean, it says that the devil, you know, entered him. And so, and that led to his betrayal. I thought about Pilate yielded to the fear of man and the world and what was going on that way. And uh, that led to, you know, listening to the crowd and all the things that happened that way. And then Peter yielded to his, maybe his flesh yeah, and in his denial. And without Jesus, we don't stand a chance because all those forces would love to come against us and control our lives. Yeah. But thanks to Jesus, they don't have to. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. People often say kids are like sponges. Their powerful young minds will soak up anything and everything. This is true, especially during their toddler years, which is why it is important that they be in a fun, friendly, God-centered learning environment like East Coast Christian Academy. We offer activities in the areas of social, emotional, physical, and spiritual to guide those minds toward all that they were created to be. Contact Cindy Smith for more information at 453-KIDS. That's 453-5437. Need a fence professionally done the first time? Hercules and Atlas Fence, owned and operated by Mike Green, has been certified since 1960. No job is too small or too big. Hercules and Atlas Fence, 321-258-9853. Or visit us online at ineedafencenow.com. Commercial Real Estate Services. Scott Langston, senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you how having a professional can make a difference in your buying, investing, or leasing commercial property. Scott Langston, 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. Now go out there and make it a great day. TNT, the new thing, church for the fired up teenager. Come out for a night of worship, growth, and good times. Every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at East Coast Christian Center. For more information, call 452-1060, extension 149. For frequent updates and events, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. East Coast Vieira meets every week at Vieira High School at 915 and 1045. With a high energy and dynamic children's ministry for all ages, East Coast Vieira Youth meets every Sunday night at 6 p.m. For more information or to learn more, our website is vieira.eccc.us. Welcome back to the show. This is Morning Breath. Verse 50 says that Jesus yielded up his spirit. And then verse 51 says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. And I've always seen this as as all the barriers. Mm. 
Amen. being broken, being torn at yeah. that point between God and man. It's incredible. Yeah. And Jesus Jesus yields picture. up his spirit the, and the veil. The veil was the thing that separated us from God, where the spirit of God was was shut up in the Holy of Holies. And now it's just, it's just that was torn from the inside. Yeah. Amen. He ripped that thing open and said, here I am, uh, and I love you, and you have free and open access. And something I just saw that never dawned on me before says the rocks were split. I, th- the I thought stone, about that today. The stone of of religion and commandment, the the ministry of death was destroyed in yes. that moment and set us free. Man, I just the, that, that's incredible. Yeah, it, it, everything was broken. Yeah. Everything split. Everything. I mean, the earth shook. Can you imagine? And in fact, it says there that the guys said, "Wow, this surely must have been the Son of God." Amen. Why? Look at what's going on around us. Let's, I mean, the whole earth it's turned dark and is shaking. Over the death of one man. Amen. Amen. So uh, we're going to check out here in just a minute. You know, I think on this barrier thing, I want to say a couple more things real quick. The barriers were broken between God and man. And so what does that mean? Well, I think that should mean things like race and sin and doubt and and uh, bad behaviors, you know, bad teaching, bad doctrine, uh, circumstances, the Old Testament prejudice, contempt. I think if we really look at this, God has really chosen to have this act, the act of Christ's sacrifice, break every barrier Amen. that mankind has ever faced. Praise God. God bless you. See you guys. See you, Pastor Mark. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.